live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. A great good afternoon and a happy Friday, yeah, baby. Friday, June 3rd, the year 2022. The NCAA baseball tournament is underway. And, of course, we are awaiting the LSU Tigers, who will take on Kennesaw State at 6 p.m. tonight at Pete Taylor Park, Hill Denson Field in Hattiesburg. We will have a live report with Bill Frankes uh, from there. From there, we are awaiting anxiously the Raging Cajuns in there. Matchup tonight at uh, 7 p.m. against the TCU Horn Frogs in College Station, Texas. Our good friend and fellow radio host, Kevin Foote, who covers the Cajuns for the Acadiana Advocate, will join us from College Station at around 2.30 this afternoon. So live reports from both of those. We have got games underway uh, all day today and it's, uh, games of some interest to you and to yours. Uh, Arkansas leads Grand Canyon 6-1 in the bottom of the sixth. The UCLA trailing Florida State 5-3. to That's the regional that the Southeastern Lions are in, but Florida State leads in the bottom of the ninth 5-3 to over UCLA. Um, let's see, it's scoreless, top of the fourth, uh, Army and Southern Miss. Now it's in the bottom of the fourth. Uh, zip, zip, the Cadets and Southern Miss in the Cajuns Regional. Um, Texas A&M, bottom of the third, leads Oral Roberts 2-1. Two, two, um, so Bill Frank as Kevin Foote. Coming up to start off our number two, Glenn Gilbo on 3.com. We'll get his thoughts from the just completed uh, meetings in Destin uh, at the Southeastern Conference Spring Meetings. George Faust from KLFY will join us. We'll talk more about the Cajuns, all things sports in Acadiana. And George Becknell, James Mesh, and I will... um, We'll talk about a variety of stuff. Texas Air Force tied 2-2 in the top of the third. It was a shocker last night, an absolute shocker. After outscoring Boston 38-24 in the third period to lead by, let's see, they led by four, by two, uh, to lead by 12 after three. I don't know what in the Sam Hill happened in that time, in that huddle between the third and the fourth quarter, because all of a sudden Boston just caught absolute fire, absolute fire outscored the Warriors 40 to 16. They were 21 of 41 from downtown. 
downtown. Boston committed only 12 turnovers. Golden State had 14 turnovers. Um, man, just remarkable. 33 assists on 43 made field goals. That's sharing and caring without question, without doubt. And the old man in the sea who turns 36 years old today, Al Horford, with a Boston Celtic game-high 26 points. Jalen Brown had 24. And despite Jason Tatum only making three of 17 field goals, finished with only 12 points, the Boston Celtics get it done. Steph Curry was the only real warrior involved uh, with 34, 21 of those coming in the first quarter. First quarter. Um, Andrew Wiggins with 20. But the rest of the... uh, uh, the Warriors, you know, Clay Thompson had 15. Otto Porter Jr. had 12. Um, they just didn't have enough firepower to match up. And look, it's a it's a make or miss league. It's a make or miss league. And in the fourth quarter, Boston made everything. Made everything. So game two, as you heard, uh, James in the two-minute drill, is going to be Sunday night. Um Man, this uh, this Boston Celtic club. I know it's a one game thing, and you got to get you got to win four to win the whole shooting match. Uh, but right now, based on what what I saw, um, man, Boston is a complete complete team. They've got um, size, length. Marcus Smart is, is a sensational player there, the defensive player of the year. Derek White had the game of his life with 21 points in 32 minutes. Uh, they defend. Their defense in the fourth quarter was stifling, absolutely stifling. Uh, and they were the better team. You, you tip your cap and you go from there. Um, 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter. Just Absolutely remarkable. Um, Rafael Nadal is in the, to the French Open final after Alexander Zverev retired with an ankle injury. So Nadal gets a little bit of rest, recovery, didn't have to extend himself too much, and um, go for there. Uh, the first set, 7-6. Um, The second set was also heading to a tiebreaker, um, and Zvedev tumbled behind the baseline while chasing a ball to his right, and he was done. So uh, a very tough two-setter, but Nadal gets to rest, and uh, he'll await to see who his finals opponent will be. We've had a firing in Major League Baseball. The Philadelphia Phillies, um, after starting off 22-29, and having lost seven of their past nine games, sitting in third place in the National League East, 12 games behind the New York Mets, the Philadelphia Fires have fired manager Joe Girardi. Uh, so there you go. Girardi on his regular radio appearance with Major League Baseball said, quote, we underperformed and that falls on me. This is what happens. Um, and life goes on. So Philly pulling the plug on Joe Girardi. Uh, Let's see. What else do we have? LSU uh, football in the mix of uh, recruiting. Um, 
93 days until the start of the season for LSU. Wow. Um, Jaden O'Rourke, check this out. A 6'9", 240-pound tight end from Australia, visited LSU yesterday. And, of course, as always, tweeted he had a great visit. Uh, O'Rourke is uh, being pursued by Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Florida, amongst others. 6'9", 240, tight end. That, that is just crazy. Um all right, let's see. So we got a lot of baseball talk today. Um, and we will take you out to Hattiesburg in just a few just a few minutes as LSU takes on Kennesaw State. Did you know that their nickname was the Owls? They're located in Georgia with campuses in the Atlanta area. And the baseball team calls itself, quote, a bunch of grimy dirtbags. There you go. There you go. How about that? This will be the first meeting between LSU and Kennesaw State. In case you wanted to know, Kennesaw State's in the Atlantic Sun Conference. LSU is 15-10 and 10 all-time against teams currently in that conference. So um, Kennesaw State is a team that um, is on a is on a roll right now. They are entering the regionals with 10 or more hits in their last eight games. So their bats, the bats are pretty darn hot. So uh, once again, um, Jay Johnson will not look. Uh, Southern Miss is throwing their ace today against Army. I'll be very curious to see what Jay Johnson's going to do on the pitching mound. He does, he's not going to announce until 30 minutes before the first pick. So we won't know. Um, exactly whom it's going to be. Will he save Mikhail Hilliard for the next game, or does he not want to take that chance and maybe throw the guy that he has the most confidence in today? That's why the managers make their money. We shall see. Anyway, we'll take our first time out of the day. Um, and when we come back, we will talk with Bill Frankes. Live from Hattiesburg. Uh, You know, it's the game's birthday, and this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June 22nd. There'll be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and appearances from your favorite personalities here on the game. Uh, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday, June 22nd from 5 to 9 o'clock for the game's 10th birthday bash. You are listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your source for Astros baseball in southwest Louisiana. We'll be back. Baseball previews next. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back, boys and girls. Tonight, 6 p.m., the LSU Tigers will begin their quest in the NCAA baseball tournament at Pete Taylor Park when the Tigers take on Kennesaw State in the opening round of the Hattiesburg NCAA Regional. Um, Games are already underway, and as we speak, 
speak. Oh, where is it when I need it? Uh, apparently, it's zero zero Army Southern Miss, bottom of the fourth. I'll try and get an update. But uh, our good friend Bill Frankes is here, um, the voice of Alec Box Stadium, Skip Bertman Field, and also does uh, radio on the road. And of course, you can listen to the Tigers here on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Bill uh, in Hattiesburg. Good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Hey, Jordy. Good afternoon. Everything's going pretty well. Uh, here at right now, uh, stationed at, at the team hotel uh, in Hattiesburg. Okay. We're only about uh, probably less than a mile from campus. And uh, team that actually is going to be, uh, or the position players, I should say, are going to be heading over to uh, nearby William Carey College to take EP uh, in the batting cages there. Okay. Um, and then they're going to come back here to the hotel and change. Then the entire squad will head over to uh, Pete Taylor Park, Southern Miss Stadium, at about 4.30 or so. And then hopefully we'll start on time. Uh, 6 o'clock is a scheduled start. Uh, weather has not been an issue so far. Although it's very overcast here. It's kind of, we're kind of now in that typical southern pattern of, of, in the summertime. Uh, right. Maybe a chance of pop-up showers and very humid weather. But uh, no, there was some rain this morning, but not affecting uh, the Southern Miss Army game, which, as you said, is underway. So we're looking forward to uh, starting at 6 evening, take on Kennesaw State, and hopefully begin a, a long postseason journey. Um, I, I'm sure you don't know, or if you do, maybe you won't reveal. I don't know, but we're all curious as to who Jake Johnson is going to give the ball to tonight. What, what are you, I've always, you know, we've talked about this before. Do you, without sliding your opponent in any way, shape or form, but do you save your best picture for game two, or do you not take that chance and say, Oh, we're going to win game one. And I don't, but if you don't, then you're really behind the eight ball. Yeah. I, I, my, now he hasn't said so uh, officially or formally announced anything, Jordy, but I have a strong feeling we'll probably see Mikhail Hilliard on the mound tonight against okay. Kennesaw State. I think Jay feels like it's so, uh, you know, obviously winning that first game is so valuable uh, to, to, to get uh, right away into the winner's bracket. Because if you lose tonight's game, then you're in a real, right. real struggle to win this regional. Of course, the Tigers did it last year. You remember uh, last year we went up to Eugene and uh, lost to Gonzaga in the first game and and when you lose that first game, you got to win four in a row to win the regional, Ooh. which is not impossible, as we saw last year, but very difficult to do, especially uh, with this ball club. As you know, uh, starting pitching has been uh, kind of uneven throughout the year. We, other than McHale, there hasn't been a real solid uh, regular right. weekend starter. So uh, the Tigers have to piece it together and naturally uh, taking one game at a time, the old cliche, but it certainly yeah. applies here. So. I get the strong feeling we'll see you at Hilliard tonight against Kennesaw State, which does have a very good offensive club. Okay. Um, Bill Frank is with us in Hattiesburg. All right, let's get the uh, injury update. I heard Jacob Berry's now swinging with the, from the left side of the batter's box. If, if that's the case, that's a great sign. Yes. Yes. Uh, yesterday at practice, Jordy, uh, Jacob was swinging from both sides of the plate, and uh, Jay Johnson, in speaking to the media after practice, could not contain <laughs> his excitement that Jacob was able to swing from the left side as well as the right side, because that makes such a huge difference uh, for Jacob. Jacob is naturally a left-handed batter. And, right. of course, although he's done very well from the right side as well, but the left side is where he's done most of his damage. And we, will, we expect to see a right-handed starting pitcher uh, tonight against Kennesaw State. So looking forward to seeing Jacob back in the lineup and batting uh, from the left side like he normally would. And then Kate Doty, of course, uh, suffered the, the shoulder injury in the very final inning of the Vanderbilt series, just unfortunate uh, occurrence. McKay's gotten better. Uh, he practiced yesterday. He's, he wore a brace on his left shoulder. 
and he expects to play, and Coach Johnson expects him to play. So uh, it looks like the Tigers will be at mostly at full strength. I guess the only question mark uh, would be Gavin Dugas. Uh, as most fans know, Gavin's really been hampered by a thumb injury uh, since early April, since the, the Mississippi State Series. Uh, Gavin's been able to play at, at, at some parts, at some points of the season, and then, of course, the, the thumb gets re-aggravated, and it's very difficult for him to swing a bat. So Gavin would be more of a day-to-day uh, situation this weekend. But it uh, looks like both Jacob Berry and Kate Doty will return to the lineup. We didn't have either one of those guys at the SEC tournament, and I think it'll make a big difference. It's nice when you can get a uh, the collegiate baseball All-American back in your lineup, and that's what Jacob yeah. Berry is, along with Dylan Cruz. So um, very formidable lineup that uh, it's been a, it's been a long time coming since they had this all li- this this lineup complete and ready to go, yeah. which only makes it all the more impressive the job that this club has done. I, I really think if they had beaten Kentucky in the SEC tournament the second yeah. time they played them, uh, you'd be in Baton Rouge in your fem, uh, in your very familiar um, setting getting ready to yeah. announce. You'd be announcing this game as well because you'd be do- pulling double duty. That's right. That's right. Well, yeah, I think you're right, Jordy. Um, on the other hand, you know, Jay's tried to stress the fact that naturally – we're disappointed that we're not hosting because I think it makes a real statement for the program, especially for a right. coach in his first year at this program. However, as everyone knows, LSU's played very well on the road this year, uh, gone into some tough places to play and, and had a lot of success, uh, sweeping, uh, Nashville, sweeping Vanderbilt in Nashville, sweeping Mississippi State in Starkville, winning two out of three against Florida in Gainesville. Uh, winning two out of three at Alabama as well. So 10-5 and five road record this year in the SEC. I think that's a pretty strong statement about how well this team can adapt to the different environments, and I hope that will continue this weekend. Should be some uh, – and, of course, tonight with the Kennesaw State, we'll have a huge crowd, but I'm sure we'll have a lot of LSU fans here. If LSU does meet up with Southern Miss, uh, particularly tomorrow night, uh, we're looking at a <laughs> quite a, a massive turnout. The, the park probably can put squeeze in about 6,500. And it would, really? it would be quite an atmosphere if LSU met Southern Miss uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, that would be uh, – I think that's what everyone is anticipating. Uh, but as you well know, you never know. Top of the fifth, no. according to what I'm looking at, it's still scoreless between Army wow. uh, and Southern Miss. Wow. So you, you never, ever, ever know. Yep. Arkansas up 7-1 over Grand Canyon in the top of the seventh. So uh, we'll keep an eye out on, on all these and see how the rest of the SEC does. Um, so the Tigers are getting healthier. Their bullpen yep. has been – Pretty darn solid. What what does Jay say about Kennesaw State? What uh, what do they do well? They are. Uh, you know, it's funny. I've heard them. I've heard it said that they're kind of the Atlantic Sun Conference version of LSU. They, they uh, rely mostly on their offense. They're, they're going to have to outscore people. I think. Our, although our pitching staff, I think, has done a pretty good job overall. Uh, Kennesaw probably relies even more on offense than LSU does. But they don't have any stud starting pitchers uh, or any you know fantastic closers. That their team ERA is over six, so that, that's that's pretty high for a, a, a college team ERA. On the other hand, they do have a pretty a prolific offense. They have a couple of guys hitting one uh, one player, a Hatcher, hitting over three eighty. He's got double digit home runs, a uh, large number of RBI. Uh, another kid named Cash, uh, same type of thing. I believe he's hitting nearly three sixty double digit homers. A uh, huge okay. number of RBI. So they've got some guys who can swing. 
So, uh, and they're pretty versatile. They run the bases pretty well, too. So I think they can cause a lot of problems uh, for, for your pitcher. And uh, LSU is going to have to be ready. This, this, this program has a lot of great history, Jordy. Uh, you may remember uh, just a few years ago, Kennesaw State was in Omaha. And they, they, they advanced all the way to the College World Series. I did and not they know play that. A, they play a lot of SEC teams. They play Georgia. They play Auburn. They play uh, Georgia Tech from the ACC. So they're used to playing high-level competition. Well, you know, you get in this tournament and uh, everybody's good. I just, I always bring up the, who, who ever heard of Stony Brook back in the day? And how how'd that turn out? There you go. That's the best example. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Stony Brook was a four seed. They were a four seed in their regional. Uh, they, you know, they won the regional. They were in Orlando. Central Florida was the number one seed in that regional. And, of course, the LSU was the number one seed in Baton Rouge. And we thought, well, we win our regional, we'll see Central Florida in Baton Rouge. But the, the four seed Stony Brook had other ideas that year, and they, and they came to Baton Rouge, of course, and advanced to Omaha. That, hard to believe that was 10 years ago. So, Frank, is in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So sum it all up, you've seen the very best of times, the very not-so-great of times. Um, the job of this this current LSU baseball team, has it, um, has it been a – I don't want to use the word disappointment because you're in the NCAA tournament. Is it, is it what you anticipated is a little bit more than you expected a little bit less than you expected? How do you sum it up? You know, going into the year, Jordy, my thought was if LSU finished above 500 in the SEC, 16, 14, 17, 13, I thought it would be a really good year just based on the fact that I knew we didn't have a great amount of pitching depth. And that's, in fact, what they did. They finished 17-13 and 13 in the SEC, finished in the top four in the SEC, the number four seed in the SEC tournament. Mm-hmm. I think if you're in the top four in the SEC, the, league's best, the, the country's best conference, I think that's a big statement as well. Uh, now, relative to LSU fans' expectations, perhaps it was a little bit of a disappointment because you always want to be hosting a postseason play at Alec Box Stadium. I, I know that's something that's going to change in future years. Because I know that's something we don't ever want. We don't ever want to see here, or in Baton Rouge, is Alex Fox being empty in June. So that's, that's right. going to change very soon. I feel confident. And uh, but overall, I'd say this this team has uh, played at a, at a very very high level, considering all the adversity it's faced with all the injuries that have plagued the team all year long, and a new staff, a new way of doing things. I think that the, Jay has always complimented the players for the way they bought into what he's been preaching. And so I'd say overall it's been a it's been a very okay. successful season, but I understand that the, the expectations are greater, and LSU should always expect to go deep into the postseason. I, I know that's the expectation here at the beginning tonight. There you go. Um, I've asked this before, and I'm going to ask you. I I don't know the ruling here. If LSU wins this regional and advances, and let's say yes. Miami doesn't win at Coral Gables, does the yep. winner of that regional automatically host the Super Regional in Miami? No. Um, my understanding, Jordy, and again, I don't want to speak prematurely, but my understanding is that if, if Miami does not win its regional and LSU wins this regional, LSU would host a super regional against either Arizona, Ole Miss, or Canisius, which is the four seed. Really? So, uh, yeah, LSU would be uh, in a better position in the eyes of the selection committee compared to Arizona, Ole Miss, and Canisius. So, my understanding is that LSU would host if LSU wins here and Miami does not win its regional. So maybe, just maybe, maybe. we'll see postseason baseball here after all this year. Maybe. Or Baton Rouge, I should say. 
That would be awesome. I don't want to put the cart before yep. the horse. Uh, one last question. Right, I'll let right. you get out of here, and I greatly appreciate your time. Um, is the streak still on? Did, is, did LSU lead the nation in baseball attendance for like the 80th year in a row? You know, that's a very good question. I haven't seen the attendance figures yet. Usually they're published after the College World Series, Jordy. But okay. I would imagine, we, you know, of course, it's based upon tickets sold. And I, I think of that when we had over 9,000 season tickets. So at bare minimum, your attendance is going to be over 9,000 every single okay. game. And many times with the, with the single game sales and walk-ups, it was rare when we were under 10,000 tickets sold for 36 home games. That's so I would imagine be. we'd be, yeah. if we're not near the top, I think we'd be very close. I mean, Mississippi State perhaps might be uh, inching closer because they, they have an expanded facility, although mm-hmm. they did not have a good season. So I think they may have brought their attendance down a little bit. So, okay. yeah, I think we're definitely – I need to research that and see where we are at the end of the year. But uh, we've been number one in attendance 25 of the past 26 years. And the only reason wow. – the one year we were not number one was last year because, you may remember, LSU had – capacity restrictions all the way into May before we had a full, uh, we were allowed to have a full stadium. Well, that doesn't Arkansas count. had a full stadium almost all year. So that, that was yeah, different. That, that doesn't count. I'm putting an asterisk by it and yeah, I'm striking it go. off the records. That does not count. So okay. there you go. <laughs> all right, Bill. Um, good luck. Have a great call. We, we will all be anxiously listening uh, to it and let's go with the Tigers. Let's see what happens, man. Thank you so much. All right, Jordy. Thank you again. See you All soon. right, that's Bill Frankes from uh, Hattiesburg. We'll take a quick time out here. We'll shift gears. We'll head to College Station, Texas. Kevin Foote, the latest on the Cajuns. You're listening to uh, the game. Uh, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we welcome you back. Um, college baseball, regional action underway. Southern Miss has put one on the board. They lead Army one zip, bottom of the fifth. And in uh, College Station, Texas, the Aggies uh, lead Oral Roberts um, two to one in the bottom of the fourth. Tonight at 7 o'clock, the Raging Cajuns will make their NCAA regional debut as they take on TCU. Um, the Cajuns as the number three seed in this regional and our good friend host of footnotes here on the game kevin foot who also um does work and does a great job on the acadiana advocate covering the raging cajuns kind enough to to join us and not ask the questions but answer the questions this time kevin foot thank you so much for your time buddy how was the drive to uh college station well still trying to finish up that drive actually not quite there yet but get closer (laughs) okay all right um this is a loose bunch of Cajuns, aren't they? I mean, the, the way they the, the way they came from behind and in the form and fashion that they did in the Sun Belt Conference tournament, uh, they're they're kind of having fun, don't you think? They are, and you know that's coach. That's what he preaches to them, and 
you know, to play loose and be unafraid to fail, and that he's preached that to him from day one. And when you're in a conference tournament with your season on the line, that's the best approach to have. Play fast and hard and loose, and it worked. You're, you're a baseball enthusiast. Um, how would you describe that uh, pitching performance from Jacob Schultz uh, this past Saturday against uh, Texas State in the Sun Belt Tournament semis? Well, I think if it was something that happened at midseason, everybody would be going, what in the world are they doing? But yeah. I wrote a, sto- a story earlier uh, in the week to kind of describe it. And they explained about how he hadn't thrown a bullpen in a month and they've, you know, not been stretching him a whole lot for a situation like that. Plus, I'm sure you've heard pitching coaches and pitches for years talk about there's a difference between innings and stressful innings. And he had a, he had a pretty stressful first. He had a really stressful second. And after that second inning, he didn't really have many stressful innings. He really yeah. – he threw a lot of pitches – but uh, but he but it wasn't with a lot of stress and and he he handled it very well. They always said he had a rubber band arm and uh, I don't know how he's gonna pitch you know when he pitches this weekend. But he was fabulous in that game. That was amazing. 142 pitches, a complete game when they need a board. Is that does that uh, help you in tournament play when you only have to use one picture? That's like a uh, that's like a dream come true. Um, so the Cajuns are the third seed. They take on the Big 12 regular season champion TCU, who's the two seed. Uh, they're 36 and 20 with a with a better RPI metric uh, than the Cajuns. But um, what what does uh, you know? Coach Deggs have to say about those Horn Frogs? He thinks they're pretty similar. And when you look at the statistics, you know, their ERAs are not all that different. The way that they seem to pitch is not all that different. They, they, they're hitting stats. The Cajuns run a little more. The Cajuns run more than just about anybody in the country. They have like 130-something mm-hmm. stolen bases. Not everybody runs like that. I, I think the most interesting thing is going to be is if the Cajuns can get on base, which, you know, like all teams that go in slumps sometimes, they don't have a lot of base runners. But if they get a lot of base runners, if you don't have a good catcher or your pitcher doesn't get to do a good enough job, they can hurt you running the bases. And so that's going to be interesting to see how TCU handles that. But, again, TCU's a strange team because I've heard a lot of people be critical of them. But, I mean, everyone loves Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and, and Texas Tech need all those teams. So I, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, is there one single player that, uh, you know, in, in games like this, your your best players always have to play at their best um, for you to win. That's just the way it goes in any sport when you get to tournament time. But who's the key player for the Cajuns uh, from this point on, in your opinion? Well, obviously, they don't really have an ace pitcher. So, whether it's Jacob Schultz, if the Cajuns are going to win this, somebody's going to have to have a game like Jacob Schultz did, not throw 142 pitches necessarily, but really go deep into a game and have a great pitching performance. And I don't know if Jacob's the one to do it after throwing 142 pitches, but somebody's going to have to have one great individual pitching performance. Offensively, uh, we mentioned it this morning, and I think it's kind of true. I think Connor Kemp, you know, Corson Rockerford did not have a great – he's been their best player all year. He did not have a great Sunbelt Conference tournament. It would be nice if, if he came back. But 
I really think Connor's uh, Kimple's got to drive in big runs. Uh, and he he did okay last week, but he's a guy that's been a consistent RBI bat all year long. So I think it's going to be important for him to get that consistent RBI bat and hit the ball to right field with power like he does at times. I've been involved with teams where you do things similarly to what um, the Cajuns did in that Sunbelt Conference tournament. Man, you become so, if you were close, you become even closer, uh, a more close-knit team. And uh, that's, a, that's a dangerous team to have to play. The momentum is, is really on their side. Um, I, I, know, I know A&M is good, uh, but man, so are the Cajuns. What, what kind of chances do you give them in this thing? I think it's a pretty balanced regional. Like I said this morning, I think Oral Roberts, if they're not the best number four seed, they're one of the best two or three yeah. or four seeds in this in this bracket because that's a program that they've got to win over Oklahoma. They've beaten Ole Miss. They've beaten Oklahoma State. They, they've been yeah. playing good baseball programs for years, and they've been a good baseball program for years. They're not new to it. So I think the – the difference between one and four in this regional is as small as 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 any of about you know I would say in the top three or four of the of the the biggest wow. the smallest difference between one and four. So I think and I don't think like Southern Miss can really pitch it. I, I don't know if there's any teams in this regional that can really pitch it. So right. I, I expect there'll be a lot of runs scored. Uh, defense, I think, is going to be very important because when you're playing a bunch of teams that can score, you better not give them five and six outs in an inning or you're going to have a real trouble. So if the Cajuns play good defense, I think it gives them a chance. Uh, It's just going to be about who gets the big hits because I don't think there's going to be too many two-to-one games in this regional. Yeah, well, that's what it is right now. A lot of a lot of baseball yet to be played, but A and M over Oral Roberts, top of the fifth. A and M two, Oral Roberts number uh, with one, two to one. Right, and but A&M to, to, is to the, that point, Jordy, the best pitcher in the tournament is probably for Oral Roberts. I mean, yeah, like go. the number four seed might have the best individual pitcher in the whole regional. So again, I, I think that kind of goes to. I don't think there's a humongous difference between these teams, and we'll see how it plays out. I am with you. Um, I can't thank you enough, Kevin Foote. I know you got to drive. How's the? How is the weather? Is that going to be a factor? You think? Well, when we looked at, you know, I think you're looking at, um, you know, nineties, low nineties. But again, low nineties in the middle of Texas in the heat and the turf, <laughs> and then it's not going to be. Uh, it's going to be pretty hot. And that also will, I think, play into the offense because pitchers tend to wear down in that kind of heat. Makes a lot of sense. Um, Kevin Foote, the host of Footnotes here on the game. Thank you so much, man. Enjoy your stay down there. Eat some good food. And uh, uh, we wish the Cajuns all the very, very best. Where in, who, If they come out of this regional, where do they go from here? Louisville. The Louisville, Louisville regional. Okay. Very good. Very good. All right, Kevin. Thank you, man. I mean, it's all doable. It's all doable. There you go. I like that. I like that. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the time. Um, Safe travels and uh, go Cajuns. All right. Thank you, Jordy. All right, buddy. Kevin Foote, who covers the Cajuns for the Acadian Advocate. And um, also, of course, right here uh, on the game. Uh, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 
Lake Charles. If you want to see his favorite team, the Houston Astros, in person, then just listen up. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Chicago White Sox Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let me give you an update on some some scores across college baseball. Georgia uh, Tech losing to Campbell. Campbell 15, Georgia Tech 6, bottom of the ninth. Arkansas leads Grand Canyon 7-1, top of the eighth. East Carolina, no problem with Coppin State 13-1, bottom of the seventh. In the bottom of the seventh, Oklahoma 14, Liberty 3. In the bottom of the eighth, they're all tied up seven apiece, UConn and Wake Forest. The aforementioned Louisville Cardinals lead Southwest Missouri, Southeast Missouri State, three to two, top of the fifth. Uh, North Carolina six, Hofstra two in the top of the sixth. Notre Dame two, Texas Tech zip in the bottom of the first. Southern Miss, of course, of interest to LSU fans, leads Army one zip now in the top of the sixth inning. Texas has come back and they lead Air Force three two in the top of the fifth and in the bottom of the fifth for Cajun fans, Texas A&M two, Oral Roberts one. Of course, Southeast Louisiana will play later on. Louisiana Tech will play later on and LSU will play at six o'clock tonight against Kennesaw State. We'll take a quick time out here. Uh, We'll come back with more. This is the Jordy Helpert Show and you are listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? We just washed your hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time and it hits my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holberg and the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Today is the day that you're going to sign up for the game clubhouse, right? Not only is it free to join, but you'll get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse. Mouth-watering steaks cooked to perfection, tremendous sides, and so much more. You can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So, Go sign up today. Now, remember, the LSU Tigers begin their quest for a seventh national title when they open up NCAA regional play tonight in Hattiesburg. First pitch between LSU and Kennesaw State is at 6 o'clock. Pre-game starts at 5.30. You can listen to it all right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. So be sure to dial it up. It's only on uh, – it's not on regular TV. It's on streaming TV. So uh, we'll see. We shall see. All right. Um, my good friend – uh, who does such a tremendous job and her company that she is involved with does such a tremendous job to help um, 
education in the entire state of Louisiana. And that's, of course, the Louisiana Lottery. Kimberly Chopin, the Director of Communications, joining us. Kimberly, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon, Jordy. What an awesome intro. My ego just feels awesome right now. <laughs> well, it's, it's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I feel like I'm in the Johnny Depp trial or something. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, that's crazy. Uh, get, you doing okay? Everything's good? Everything is good. Absolutely. All right. Give me the, give me the lowdown. What's the latest goings on with the Louisiana Lottery? Well, I tell you, we have one big thing happening now, and we have a ton of fun stuff coming out this summer. So Good. let me tell you what, what we've got on deck right now. That's a little bit new, especially if All you've right. played scratch-offs before. We have a $10 game called Red Hot Blowout, $50 or 100 And this is the first time we've ever done a game where the only prizes that we have in the game are $50 or 100 So very different. No huge top prize. But what that does is the funds that would normally go to the top prize have just gone into those two fifty and $100 prize levels. So there's tons of them in there. And the odds of winning that significant level prize are really good. So it's a different kind of game. Just launched that at the end of May. So, you know, jury's out. Well, what will our players think of this? It's a, it's a little bit different than what we usually do. Yeah, well, that's uh, interesting, um, to say the least, uh, and, but but very creative, and I kind of like that. You know, you got your scratch-offs, your fast play, your draw games. Um, wh- what happens to somebody that um, wins and maybe loses? Or I mean, how, what do you do with unclaimed prizes? How does that work? Okay, that's a very, very good question. So as you know, there are deadlines to claim your prize. So if you play a draw-style game, you have 180 days to claim the prize within the date of the drawing. So 180 days after that, you need to claim that prize. Now, for scratch-offs, you have 90 days from the date of the game's closure. So we constantly, for scratch-off games, are closing them at, at certain times. And so we have a page on our website that tells you, hey, these are the games that are closing. And here's the deadline to claim those prizes. Now, what if, you know, we have people that don't claim their prize within the deadline? Well, all of those funds, the lottery doesn't keep it. We actually take it and put it right back into promotions and prizes. Um, That's actually in our statute. So that is a requirement that we do that. And um, it it really does help bump up additional prizes um, on our instant win games, as well as funds and fun player promotions. I got you. And I, I see there's a couple of, of mega million. Un- I've got yeah, a I, really cool one coming up in, what is in that? July. Uh, starting July 11th, we're doing a Powerball promotion that is going to give our players in Louisiana the chance to become Powerball's first millionaire of 2023. Really? Now, this is pretty spectacular. Yes. So we will send one lucky, guaranteed, one lucky Louisiana pl- Powerball player to New York City with a friend on New Year's Eve uh, to be on Powerball's First Millionaire of the Year. It's, it's kind of broadcast live during Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, so it's going to be really spectacular, and we're participating with other lotteries across the country. So all you have to do is send in any non-winning five-board Powerball ticket um, from Louisiana, uh, good for any drawing between July 11th and September 10th, because the 12th okay. is the deadline to get in those non-winning tickets. So you'll see a lot about it. I'm kind of giving you a sneak peek. We haven't really even sent out the news release on this uh-huh. yet. So wow. coming so, down the pipeline. Yeah. 
So you don't win the Powerball, but you take your ticket, you don't throw it away, you re-enter it, and you got a chance to That's go to right. New York City. That's right. Absolutely. Jeez. So we'll, that, that promotion will be happening kind of alongside our Saints, because, you know, every year yeah. in August, yeah. we launch our Saints scratch-off that also has that similar component, meaning if you don't win a prize on the scratch-off tickets, right. you can send those in for a chance to win, you know, game day so nice. experiences, <laughs> season tickets, yeah. you know, pre-game field passes, all that kind of fun stuff. You're so nice to do all that. That's 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 good. <laughs> I like fun. that. And I think it's everybody's fun. underestimating the Saints this year. I'm just telling you, I think they're going to be better than a lot of people think they are. And that's always a good thing. So Kimberly Chopin, um, thank you. We got you. Um, the red hot, red hot blowout uh, and all these other things. Uh, things are heating up right in the perfect time of summertime. Thank you, as always. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too, Jordy. Always All my right. pleasure. Good talking All to you. All right. Kimberly Chopin, the Director of Communications for the great Louisiana Lottery. Um, hour number two coming up. We'll get a report from the SEC spring meetings with Glenn Gilbo, all things Acadiana, George Faust, George Becknell, James Mesh, and I. You know, we always, always, always try and have some fun. That's all coming your way. Uh, hour number two. But today, uh, the game clubhouse, 1037 the game, 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Hour number two, straight ahead. You listen to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your source for LSU sports in Southwest Louisiana. Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a Saints touchdown. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two on this Friday, June the 3rd, the year uh, 2022. In case you're just interested, uh, LSU baseball fans, Southern Miss leads Army one zip now in the bottom of the six. So a very low scoring affair there. And if you're a Raging Cajun fan um, in their Regional. Um, looking, I'm looking. Where is it? Uh, Texas A&M leads Oral Roberts three to one in the top of the six. We shift our gears and our focus to the lovely beaches of Destin, Florida where the SEC has, for the first time in three years this week, has reconvened and held their spring meetings. Uh, Glenn Gilbo, our good friend from uh, Outkick.com, he's he's everywhere. How many gigs do you have, Glenn Gilbo, who kind enough to join us, man? How are you? Good, good. Jordy, how are you doing? I'm doing terrific. Um, So how's how's the beach been? How's all that stuff looking these days? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it was uh, it was busy here a while for a while with uh, with Jimbo and Nick, but things quieted down. But it it, it didn't wrap up until uh, this afternoon. They they did make a, a scheduling change with with basketball, you know, including uh, Texas and Oklahoma for twenty five twenty six. They're gonna instead of three permanent opponents in basketball is going to be two. Uh, and the, and the rest uh, rotating SEC tournament's going to stay the same, but with uh, you know two more games, obviously. But that was uh, that was really the biggest news as far as new rules passed. Wow, um, I wonder who LSU's two opponents will be each and every year. Hmm. Yeah, that's gonna, that's going to be interesting. Um, uh, I, you know, I remember you know you always liked to play in uh, Kentucky. Twice a year, right. but they got a, they got away from that under the last format. I'm not sure who right. that will be. Glenn, I'm still I'm still bewildered. I am still. I guess I'm naive. Where I cannot believe that Texas and Oklahoma are going to stay in that conference for two or three more years. I just don't see the the common sense of that. They don't want to be there. Um, I, I don't get it. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think part of the problem is the, uh, you know, the scheduling uh, for both leagues, really, uh, and 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 there's so many questions around it, like with, with the college football playoffs, it's going to change at about the same time. Mm-hmm. But there's a chance that they could come in in 24. There's no way they're coming in in 23, Sankey said, but but there's a chance they could come in in 24. Okay. So that that would be less than two years. So what oh, is the SEC is going to do away with divisions? Is that right? Are we going to be like a basketball league yeah. and just one through 14 or true. one through 16, whatever it is? Yeah, every model they looked at this week for, for football schedule was no divisions. They looked at hmm. uh, eight-game schedule, which is what they have now, or a nine-game schedule with uh, three rotating, six different uh, which you know that that's probably going to be what it what it goes to three three permanent opponents and then and then six uh, rotating okay. so so then you'll finally get a variety of games uh, each right. year instead of the same games. If you polled LSU fans and you said, okay, you get to pick out of all these teams, you get to pick three teams you get to play every year. Who who do you think who do you think they put in that group? Boy. Uh, well, you know, I think Florida would be out. You know, that, yes. that that's probably going to go. Uh, Ole I Miss think has Alabama to be one would of them, right? Um, Ole Miss and A and M. You know, I, I, as far as you know, combining popularity and and uh, tradition and significance. I mean, you know, if you lose Florida, which you know that's a big ticket. You know, so you got to keep Alabama, right? Um, but uh, you know, I, I would say. From from my perspective, I would say uh, keep. You know, I'd like to keep Alabama, Texas A and M, and Texas, but that but that's that's too many good teams. You know, so mm-hmm. so uh, you know maybe Alabama, Ole Miss, and 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 Texas, or you know, I don't know. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of uh, selections. I mean, maybe they won't play Alabama every year. You know, I I think Texas is a natural rivalry that 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 they should play every year but they already got a&m you don't want to lose that so maybe if you got texas and a and texas and texas a&m then you could make the argument well we don't want to play alabama every year so then you throw in you know alabama alabama's gonna have auburn alabama's gonna have auburn alabama's gonna have tennessee um for sure and then i don't know about that 
Who, I don't know. Who that's knows? not a, that's not a gimme. Uh, that that's one of those games that that people want to get rid of. Um, uh, Alabama Tennessee. Oh, okay. So so uh, you know that could be close. Um, but I huh. would think Alabama Auburn, maybe Alabama Florida play every year. But but you got to have them play. Um, you know I'd love to see Alabama Texas every year too. But but Texas might not want LSU and Alabama every year. Right. <laughs> so right. I mean that's right. that's going to be a tough job for somebody. Yeah, that's. Uh... Man, that that is not an easy feat to uh, to come. You, you're not gonna. It's gonna be impossible to please everybody, and everybody's gonna want to play Vanderbilt, and everybody's gonna want to play Missouri. That's just a fact. But they yeah. can only go so far. Yeah, but you know, I think either way, it, it's gonna end up being fun because you are gonna be playing teams more often. So even if you don't get that permanent opponent people are going to get that trip to Austin, you know, because yeah. to me, that's the coolest trip in the league right now is, is going to Austin. And, uh, you know, whereas Athens might've been number, number one in the, in the past. And, you know, people see Baton Rouge as an exotic place too. people outside Louisiana, you know, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, LSU has never played at Oklahoma, you know, so that's true. Uh, in fact, yeah, they've never, they've never played in the regular season period. Right. All right. Glenn Gilbo, uh, kind enough to join us. So you said in a tweet, meetings as far as legislation, uh, nothing really happened, but the substantive talk displayed could lead to that before too long. Um, when do you think they're going to, they, they got to come to a vote on this thing, I would think sooner than later, don't they? Yeah, you know, but Sankey kept saying, and he said it again today, you know, when they, the last time they expanded was, before the 2012 season, when A and M and Missouri joined, they they put that together in a year. You know, they they were still deciding the, the schedule on that in 2011, and he doesn't want to get that close this time. But but I would think by this time next year, you know, it it might go all the way to the spring meetings of 2023. Okay. Then then, okay. then you still got a two two year cushion. But he was talking about possibly. Uh, you know, a little bit earlier than that, but it's going to take some time because there's a lot of yeah. issues. You know, they the, the college football playoff e- expansion and right. and um, you know, and they and they got not to mention the NIL and transfer portal. Oh mess. lord, yeah. Uh, the last time they had this thing, um, until now, now you got a new new president, new football coach, new men's basketball coach, new women's basketball coach. Scott Woodward was hired just before the 2019 uh, season, uh, spring session. Um, the, what, what was your take from the LSU contingent? How did, what did they think about all this stuff? Well, I, I did get to talk to Scott Woodward uh, a couple days ago, and he, he's, he's hard to pin down. Uh, but yeah. I, I think Scott is – you know, Scott. Most of Scott's work is done as far as hiring coaches. I mean, right. look what he did just just last year. You know, uh, Kim Mulkey, Brian Kelly, uh, Matt McMahon, Jay Johnson. You know, that's 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 about five years of work for a lot of people. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And uh, so so he needs to sit back at his at his camp right now. And now he he uh, he had some fun with uh, he he called Jimbo and Nick. That's what happens when you get two West Virginia hillbillies together. They start fighting. <laughs> Like they did. That's beautiful. But, you know, he that's knows beautiful. them both. He knows them both well. You know, and, yeah, and uh, that's right. And so he kind of made made a little light of that. But um, you know, I, I think um, 
I think Scott is, is just in a good position, as is LSU. You know, things might not be great right away, but I, I think Jay Johnson, Brian Kelly are headed in the right direction. Kim Mulkey obviously had, had a great first year. Yeah. Um, Matt McMahon, uh, I think he's doing better than expected with his roster. Yes. Now, he, he, you know, they probably won't be good for a while, but at least they might be decent before he, we he's thought He's got a team, would. though, right? He, he had nothing. He had nothing. Man, uh, I've said this before, and I want to hear your opinion of this. Uh, LSU won a national championship in football with a great coach in Nick Saban. They won one with a, golly, I don't know, let's turn out to be a buffoon. Uh, Ed was a cartoon character. Kelly's the closest thing to Saban we've got, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, what that what that proves, that the fact that, that, that Les and Coach O could also win a national championship, um, you know, you got to give them credit. They won the national Absolutely. championship and Les made a, a second one, but it, it shows how good the program can be. And, yeah. and if, if LSU over the years, if they'd have been able to keep a coach like Saban or Dietzel for more than a five years, they might have 10 or 12 national championships, you know? No so, so a guy like Brian Kelly, who definitely, he's the most like Saban they've had since Saban. Yeah. You know, if he's coaching for ten years, the way the playoff is now, I could, you know, I could see him winning two or three. You know, oh, maybe, maybe yeah. two. As long as he uh, gets the right coaches around him, uh, and they recruit like crazy, which shouldn't be that hard to do where they are with everything that they have and all the support that they have. I, d- I guess they got. Look, you can't go to Nick Saban and offer him five thousand. You got to get a collective together, right? We got to get an NIL collective <laughs> to to raise the money to get him out. <laughs> yeah, boy, I, I tell you, um, I, I just. I just don't know when Nick is going to retire. I mean, he's 70, but he just he just seems like he's going to continue, you know? And yeah. I don't know if Mr. Saban wants him home all the time, you know? So. That's a fact. <laughs> that You just hit the nail on the proverbial head, big guy. There's no way she wants to be around him 24-7. He'll drive her crazy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no That's question. True. You know, he does play golf. He's a, he's a smart guy. I mean, I think he could adjust, but, man, he's he's used to – to, to being so involved and engrossed and, you know, he gets better every year, really. Yeah. You know, so yep. it's not like he's working harder and harder, you know, he's, he's got it under control. Now, one thing that may make him retire earlier though, is NIL and the transfer yes. portal. Cause he hates yes. both of them. Yeah, you know, I think and, that's what happened, Glenn. I swear, I think that's what happened to Jay Wright. Um, I think Shashevsky yeah. played a little role in him, although he was getting old anyway. But uh, I think that played a big role in it as well. Uh, you can't tell me Jay Wright doesn't have more coaching. In fact, he's just gonna. He said, "The heck with this. I'm gonna go to the NBA. He's that's his next stop." So I, I don't think there's any question that if this NIL thing doesn't get under control, that might be the ticket out. I agree. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, there there was an assistant coach or two who who went from college to the NFL this past offseason from the SEC, and, yeah. and one of the reasons they left was to get away from the portal and right. and, and just having to deal with the portal. And and boy, uh, just think if uh, just think if Saban retires and because he's fed up with the portal and then goes back to the NFL. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? You know what the big thing about the NIL is? These kids are going on campus, and they're getting coached by their position coaches, 
and they're making more money than their position coach. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that, and and they can still leave, you know, for some other yes. NIL deal uh, yes. within, within a year or something. That's oh, crazy. It's, it's absolutely really crazy. What, what, what I don't like about it, Jordy, is, you know, back in the day when cheating was wild, only the good players got the money. You know, That's right. these collectives, these collectives are paying bad players. I mean, yeah. Jordan Jefferson yeah. would make money in the, in these NILs. And I mean, look, Miles Brennan is making money. He hasn't really played any. That's yet, right. You know? That's so, right. And, and sooner or later, fun if they had that back in our day, that would have been fun. I wonder how much Terry, I wonder how much Terry Rubisky would have uh, garnered in NIL money to get him out of second ward. How about that? Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and you know, one one interesting thing is maybe it'll make the kids stay in school. I mean, they won't; they're not staying in school because they like to go to the library, but they're going to stay in school because they make more money than it, than at some training camp that, that they might is get cut. No, you know, no question, no question. It might make the college game a little bit better, but uh, I don't know. All right, so basically, no fireworks, uneventful, a lot of dialogue, but no decisions except for men's basketball. They're going to. Uh, um, you know, the, the, what you said about three, com- whatever it was. Three permanent and, and going to an 18-game schedule instead of well, – well, well, yeah, they're still at 18. Yeah. Uh, they're staying at 18, less permanent opponents. They thought about going to 20, but they're sticking to 18 because they want to play those non-conference games. I want more conference games. Uh, I don't want to go see, no offense, I don't want to go see Hofstra come or, or Oral Roberts come to Baton Rouge. I'm sorry, I don't want to see that in football. I want to see better games with the cost of tickets and everything involved. You better, if you want full stadiums, you better get good games. And I know coaches hate it, but uh, the, the, these administrations are in to make money and they're in here to please the fans, right? I mean, that's the answer. Yeah, yeah, and... uh I think you're in, in football. I think you're going to see, still see some of these good non-conference games. Uh, you know, when, when if they, they're going to go to nine, they, they have to yeah. go to nine, right? And and so then you'll you'll still see one or two decent non-conference games, and and the one uh, rent a game, uh, right. rent an opponent. If if it was up to me, I would have a ten game SEC schedule, two non-conference games, one big, one small. I'm with you. I'm with you. And uh, I, the fact that LSU and Southern are playing this year, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I like yeah. that. Yeah, like you need that. an exhibition game. You know, not, not necessarily that Southern would be an exhibition game, but, you know, it's good to have since the NFL has preseason games, you know, it's good for college to have that light game early. Yep. And if you're going to play a light game, don't bring in Hofstra, play Southern, you know, exactly. or, or play uh, Nichols. You know, and no, I, or, or McNeese, you know, which is what Skip started at LSU. Yep. So that's a good idea still. Glenn Gilbo, Outkick.com. Uh, thank you, my friend. I hope you had a good time. Come on back to back to reality and uh, see how LSU baseball does this weekend, <laughs> man. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Jordy. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. You got it, man. Glenn Gilbo with us. Uh, we'll take a quick time out here. You're listening to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your source for LSU in southwest Louisiana. We'll be right back. George Faust, KLFY. Wouldn't be a Friday without Faust. Next. 
There's no better way to wrap up the work week than talking with the man regarded as the king of Acadiana sports media, KLFY Sports Director George Faust. It's time for Fridays with Faust here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hi, George. How are you, buddy? What's happening? Oh, I'm good, man. Not too much. Just uh, living the dream, man. Living the dream. Living the dream. All right, Cajun fans in the top of the seventh at the College Station Regional, Texas A&M three, Oral Roberts one. That's in the top of the seventh. LSU fans in the top of the eighth at the Hattiesburg Regional, Southern Miss two, Army zip. So both favorites leading, maybe not by as much as the experts may have thought, uh, but they are still leading. Of course, the Cajuns will play tonight, 7 p.m. against TCU. LSU, of course, will play 6 p.m. against Kennesaw State. Um, Talked to Kevin Foot earlier. He follows them much like you do. He on the print side, you on the TV side. Um, Cajuns are rolling. They seem to be a loose outfit. Uh, and that's, that's always the best way i think to approach tournament play you can't be uptight you got to be loose and let it rip that's it because you know the second you get too tense that's that's when you know you make a mistake something something bad happens and and then you have to play behind the eight ball so to speak but uh, this team is very loose we've said it all year right here jordy uh, on this show yeah. we've talked about how they they have this ability to just go be a scrappy ball club. They love playing baseball. Coach Deggs talks about it all the time, how this team is so uh, relaxed in, in, in its own skin and being, being able to kind of just go play baseball. And they love to play, and that shows in the way they play. And they're a scrappy group. They, they'll, they'll throw down uh, in the parking lot if you, if you want to go play a, play a pickup game in the parking lot. They'll do it, you know. Or we can go to Bluebell Park and play at College Station. Either way, they're ready to go. They're excited. And, you know, it's, and Coach Deggs talked a little bit before yesterday at the, after the practice that they had in the morning on Thursday. And he talked about how this team is one of the toughest teams he's ever coached because of the way they just grind it out. They, they, they want to be out there. They want to they challenge each other. And so – that's going to bode well for this team. That is, I think they they are ready to to maybe make a little run here. I they like they like play, the Cajuns for some reason love playing in the in, in College Station. They did a great job in 2007 when they were in that regional. Although they ended up getting knocked out in the championship, they were in the driver's seat. They had two. They were two two and zero, oh, and A and M had to beat them twice, and A and M did that year. But. Uh, they were they were that close from uh, getting uh, getting into a super uh, in, in, in that season. So, uh, but I like the way they play too, man. I, I just I've said it all year. I've watched them all year. They're just when they need clutch hits, they usually get them, and uh, that's that's something you have to have in this at this time of the year. 
He is George Faust, sports director, KLFY. While uh, baseball collegiately takes center stage behind the scenes, the LHSAA executive committee uh, approved some proposals to expand the number of select schools and to unite the playoffs. What uh, a 16 to 5 vote. Um, that's uh, the select just got a whole lot bigger from 109 schools to 198. And this is basically boys football. I think, um, leaving yeah. 207 schools on the non-select side for the 22-23 season. Um, this uh, this makes the select a little bit tougher now, It's uh, which is good. Uh, look, you know, I talked to Coach Louis Cook about this uh, yesterday at Notre Dame, and he was saying, you know, it's actually going to be a little bit better for them because he doesn't like, he doesn't like getting – to the postseason, you know, you play 10 weeks, right? And you get to the postseason, and then you got two weeks of buys. Yes. And then you play a playoff game. He can't stand that. He doesn't like it. And so he's all about now these playoffs will be more uh, of a an actual playoff where you're going to have to beat a couple of teams to get to the quarterfinals, you know? And so that's going to be that's going to be one of these things. That, that's going to be one of the issues that, that I mean, but some schools aren't going to like it, right? Because now they actually have to, they have to kind of work their way a little bit. It's a little harder to get to the championship, but look, this is the, this might be a step towards unification at some point. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And, and, and so that, that is, I'm all about that. I, I, I they never should have split in the first place. Uh, that was that was a, a farce, and yeah. uh, so if this is something that's going to try and get everybody back together, uh, it, 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 I'm okay with that. Now, what's interesting about it is, you know, all the Lafayette schools are, are now select. Like the five A Lafayette schools are select schools. Okay. <laughs> they're Lafayette High, Cadiana High. They're all uh, you know they're all now going to be playing in the select division. So now they have to face off. In the definitely in the postseason against the Curtises and the Rebels and the Brother Martins and things of that nature. So, but you know what? We like that's good though. I I don't think Acadiana has a problem with that. They already played that Catholic basketball. You know, know has a problem with that. The Brother Martins, the Catholic Highs, the (laughs) Jesuits, the the Rummels. Those are the schools. I mean, look. My daughter played St. Joseph Academy <laughs> in the basketball playoffs. <laughs> they get a bye. They win one game. Then they're in the semifinals. I'm like, I'm like, I'm happy for you, but this is, that's not how it's supposed to be. <laughs> right. Right. It's got to be a little more challenging than that because I mean, in life, life is more challenging than that. You know? Right. And what are you, what are you teaching kids if, if you're not, uh, you know that you you're going to have to strive and, and and work at some point in your life, and it's not always going to go your way, and you might have to battle through a couple of a couple of you know adversities, and then eventually make make it to the top, and and, and then when you get to the top, it's that much more rewarding, That's and that right. much more satisfying and gratifying to have achieve something that actually has some value. You know, I'm with you. And I think that's that's the difference.
when you win when you win like that then you really are special and i mean that you've accomplished a lot george faust klfy um also in those meetings uh lake charles was again awarded the swimming non-select boys basketball non-select baseball and non-select softball tournaments for the next two years and the cajun dome is going to have two events next year volleyball and powerlifting. how about that yeah yeah exactly uh, so volleyball was a, was a huge success this past year Ooh, I, yes I it was they, they did a they did a phenomenal uh job of uh of, of putting that on at the cajun dome uh so I think that that's that's I'm cool with that. I wish the basketball would have gotten into Lafayette too. That would have been uh, they've done such a great job with it in the past. And from what I understand, uh, a little uh, birdie told me that uh, all the football state championships are going to be going back to the dome. But I don't know that that's official. But uh, that's that's uh, that's the well, that's another no brainer. Um, in my right, opinion, right, right. Um, you know, that just makes sense to me. Speaking of football, how about uh, one of the legends in the Acadiana area, Brent Indest, who was coaching, then he got out to run private business, and now he's moving the family to Mandeville. He's, he's the head coach at Lakeshore. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Look, you know, there was a great – so a couple of years back, this was a while back, probably more than a couple, we were at the Crying Towel, which is the – Kiwanis Jamboree puts on their jamboree at a Cajun field, and yeah. on the Tuesday of the week of the tur- the, the uh, jamboree, they have a crying towel. They give it to the the, the school that makes has the biggest sob story. Anyway, <laughs> one co- one coach gets up there and says, "Oh, uh, oh, yeah, Karen Crow must be pretty good this year. Karen Crow's got to be good because Brent Endes decided to take the job at Karen Crow, so they must be good. You don't need to give them the crying towel, meaning." <laughs> That Coach Indes jumps from job to job, which it was a funny joke. It was great. Got a lot of laughs. And I, I think, uh, look, he, he was scheduled to go to West St. Barry, uh, decided against that for some reason, and uh, and, and found, a, found a home at Lakeshore. Uh, Lake uh, good luck to him, man. I, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, I'm sure it's a good move for him, and, and you know, I don't know much about Lakeshore. So you get that I, coaching I bug, and it's hard to get rid of it. You you miss that rush. You miss that yeah. uh, day-to-day gig. It's hard to get it out of your system. That's why Nick Saban is not going to be retiring anytime soon. What's he going to do? <laughs> right. He's going to go be, in a, be a, a coach, uh, a coach's assistant, or a, what do they call him, the, the, the uh, advisor to the program or something like that. And they're like, Wait, I got to be the coach. I can't. I no, can advise, but they're not doing it the right way. You know? He may give the <laughs> NFL one more shot. I'm serious. He may, with tough. all this NIL stuff, that may he may say the heck with it, and he may go get try the NFL one more time. Who knows? Mm. Who knows? Mm. Um, what else you got going on? These it's quiet now, right? It's quiet. Uh, it, it, it finally kind of dies down a little bit. Uh, you know, we've got uh, the Acadiana Cane Cutters. Start kicked off their 11th year wow. in the Texas Collegiate League, and uh, so they they won their first game. They lost on the road uh, last night, uh, but uh, yeah, they're they're back at it. They, they they've gotten to the top of the they've gotten to the championship a few times. Uh, haven't had a chance to win it, but uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a wooden league baseball for for college kids. Uh, you get to see the up and coming guys, the guys who are yeah. going to learn what it's like to play in the minor league. So. The cane cutters are, are underway, and 
I, I always enjoy going out there and watching the King Cutters. Richard and Sandy Chalmers do a phenomenal job. They're the owners of the team. Darren Dukes. I'm going to have a conversation with Coach Dukes coming up uh, this Sunday night on uh, Inside Cajun Nation. Uh, just to talk about the upcoming season and all that good stuff. So and they got uh, the yeah, bombers that, that, on Saturday. But maybe that, we can. That, what was the what was the ice hockey team's names? Baton Rouge, Lafayette was the ice Lafayette, skaters. Louisiana, Louisiana ice skaters was here in uh, in King, Lafayette, and, and, and Baton Rouge was the king from the king About two thousand, they averaged about eight thousand fans, and then uh, Baton Rouge was the kingfish. Right. New Orleans had. So, uh, uh, New Orleans had a team too for a little bit, but yeah. it was the it was the ice skaters that kicked it all off. Man. Ice skaters were great. They were on the cover. Yeah. Of, they were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah, they were selling out like twelve thousand in the Cajun Dome. It was unbelievable. I got video. I go back and watch the video just to feel the energy that was in that place, and it was unreal, man. Twelve thousand people doing a gator chomp. Uh, it, it was. I mean. They got people who were actually experienced alive and in color, and and I, I wasn't. The, by the time I got here, it kind of died down to where there was a lot of 5,000 in the Cajun game, which was still pretty impressive for ice hockey in South Louisiana, but not nearly I as hope, impressive as when they first started. In the, it just caught my, fire, man. It was crazy. My whole point of saying that is let's get the rivalry back on baseball. You got the cane cutters. You got the Baton Rouge Rougarou. Let's do really? it. Yeah. Let's go. Let's have some fun with that. Let's get that rivalry between the Acadiana and Baton Rouge. Let's get it going like the Cajuns and the Tigers always seem to have a fun time in whatever that, sport they play. That would be cool. They had the Hibernia Cup between the, the ice skaters, the Kingfish, and the New Orleans. That's right. That they, would, they had that, the Hibernia Cup. And whoever, you know, that's cool. That was, that was a nice little uh, Back right. when Hibernia was Faust. a thing. <laughs> you, got, you got to do the you got to do the sports tonight, so I'm gonna let you go. All right, thank you, my friend. Always right. fun talking Sounds with good. you. Sounds good, Jordy. All right, take care, buddy. Tune in next week to Jordy Holdberg for Fridays with Faust here on the Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 3rd, 2012. Tiger Woods claims his 73rd PGA Tour victory with a two-stroke win at the Memorial Tournament at Mirfield Village Golf and Country Club. The win equals Jack Nicklaus's record. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, it's that time of the day, that day of the week, when we welcome in George Becknell, my good friend, along with James Mesh, and we just kind of banter back and forth. George, how you been, man? Happy Friday. Happy Friday, brother. I've been well. I can't complain about a thing. How about yourself? I'm good. You got your Captain America shirt on or something? What you doing? You, you, about, you about to save oh, yeah. the world? Oh, yeah, George. It's always time to save the world, especially on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm 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 go by the pool and save some people in the future. It's pouring down rain here, big guy. So be careful, man. Be careful. Um, oh. all right, I mean, James, you're ready time, to roll man. here. It's not raining. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's see. Um, how shocked were both of you? And I'll start with you, George. How shocked were both of you about the fourth quarter of last night's game one in the NBA Finals? Well, Jordan, I was I was very shocked. 
I mean, you know, Golden State came out. They 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 played well. It looked like another game one win for uh for the Warriors because they've been here before, and they just completely went flat. I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. Um, and if you look at it, somebody like Derek White hitting six threes and and Al Harford hitting yeah. hitting five threes, and you know that that was the most shocking part of it. You know because those guys stepped up in a big way. Jason Tatum only scored 12 points and you still get the win at, uh, on the road. So I was very shocked uh, about that meltdown of yeah. Steve Kerr and his team. James, what do you think? I wasn't totally shocked because I know Celtics, come they can, they, they can catch, on. they can catch fire just like the Warriors oh, can. On. You act like they're James. bad. You act like they're bad at shooting. You act like they can't catch fire. No, but I'm I'm surprised that Golden State only scored 16 points. They got yeah, outscored yeah, exactly. by 24 points in the fourth quarter. You were not surprised? They can catch fire just like floor. anyone. Okay, okay. You're not surprised at all by that. They if Boston anything, caught fire and I was shocked. Okay. I was shocked that Jason Tatum couldn't make a shot to save his life, but he did make up for it with his 13 assists and being able mm. to facilitate with the ball. Now, what yeah. did catch me off guard was Derek White being unconscious the way he was because he's never been one to shoot the three like that. And he just, even if Steph's in his face, he takes one step back and drains it in his face. I'm like, whoa, what, what's going on? This yeah. is this has never been the Derek White I know. No. But, I, I mean, I, I I'm was, not mad at it. I, I was shocked that Golden State only scored 16 points. Uh, Boston kicked up there. Yeah, any team can get hot. like that. I agree with you there. Um, but for Golden State to only score 16, they just they got hit by a Mike Tyson right hand hook and they didn't know what to do. And Steve Kerr's on the bench like, uh, what do I say? What do I do? I call timeout. What do I say? How do we stop this? Um, and they had burned through so many timeouts. So, early. yeah, yeah, it was just crazy. Um, does this, George, sway this series now toward Boston? Uh, should Golden State be very, very concerned? No, Golden State shouldn't be very, very concerned because they've been here before. You know, it was one quarter. You know, and if you really think about it, how often will Al Horford and uh, Derek White both shoot better than Klay Thompson? Like, like let's 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 pump the brakes on it. Okay. Boston's a very good team. I knew that Boston would give Golden State trouble. It may go seven, but Golden State should not be concerned at all. Like they're going to be fine. This is this isn't. An, an anomaly. It's not this. It won't happen again. All right. Um, if I asked you now, James, you can you can repick uh, who you think is going to win the NBA Finals. Would you change your pick? I still believe in the Celtics, but I'm I'm going to still hold on to my Warriors and six. But if it does go to seven, it's going to be Boston in my eyes. Ooh, if Boston, if Boston game seven on the road yeah. again, they're road like Warriors. They, they're eight. Yeah, they really they're eight two. They really. They really, truly are um, amazing. I, you know, Tatum's not going to go three for 17 anymore. But on the flip side, you, you can't expect White to go five for eight from downtown and Horford to go six for eight from downtown. So maybe it all balances out. Uh, maybe maybe it balances out that way. But, uh, you know, you got to get more out of Draymond Green. He was two for 12, missed uh, yep. all three of his free throws. Got to get more from Looney. Uh, you got to get more from Poole. My gosh, was he bad? 25 minutes, two for seven. 
nine points, four turnovers. Um, he, he was just bad. I think the finals, the, the enormity, George, of the finals got to Pook Jordan Poole. He, he looked like, wait, 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 whoa, here's a guy you're counting on to get you 20 points, 25 points. And man, yeah. he struggled. Yeah, he, he definitely did. And, and look, the lights might have been too bright for him, but hats off to Boston, who's a very, very good defensive team. Yeah, you and right he, about he that. just he just might have not been ready, Jordan. Um, Clay Thompson was the only warrior, in my opinion, who even showed up. Like everybody else needed, needed to do better. So will the Warriors be this bad again? I seriously doubt it. I think Poole will step it up a little bit. Um, but but Steve Kerr, man, we got we gotta we gotta run some plays for Poole, man, get him involved. Get him involved you know, early. He, he's jacking them up, man. Uh, nobody's really talked much about it, but the Lakers uh, have a new head coach, uh, <laughs> Darvin Ham, who played against LeBron James and a lot of these players. He's ba- basically kind of the same age. Well, he's no, he's not. He's 48, 48 years old. He's the 28th head coach in franchise history and 24th of the Los Angeles era. Um Eight-year playing career in the NBA, kind of a journeyman. He's cut his teeth, paid his dues. Um, Darvin Ham, what what are your thoughts about him leading the storied Laker franchise? Well, let's let's be honest. I think Darvin Ham was a good hire. He's a good head. He's going to be a good head coach, like you said. He went through, paid his dues. But the problem is, these these are the Los Angeles Lakers. You, you expect them to do it big. You expect them to have like like a sexy type of type of hire and, yeah. and Darvin does not fit that. Also, you know, I don't think any coach of any type of real caliber is going to want to go to LA until LeBron is gone. I mean, let's be honest. I think, I think his time winning championships are done. I think he makes most of the decisions and it, it's just, it's just not a, it's not a great fit for anybody for any good head coach. So, I, I like the pick by the Lakers, but it's not exciting, and I don't expect much out of this franchise. Until LeBron goes, they, they won't get anything done. James, do you think uh, a lot of big-name coaches shied away because of LeBron and because of their uh, Westbrook uh, and everything involved with that? Yeah, I think the way that the Lakers are structured at this point and what they would have to deal with, and after seeing – Frank Vogel get fired because he didn't make the playoffs for the first time. Yeah, I, I think it's like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be just a scapegoat for this team and then just be like just somebody else and it's LeBron's team. Like, I'd rather coach my own team. I, I don't blame anybody for not wanting to take the job. I think that they were able to get Darvin Ham as a solid option as opposed to not getting the quote unquote sexy pick that maybe they wanted mm-hmm. since they are the Lakers and they're all flash and show, but. Uh, I mean, this this isn't unexpected in my eyes. Okay, yeah, I'm. Uh, I think a lot of names stayed away from it. I think a lot of names didn't want to have to deal with uh, LeBron and Russell Westbrook. I don't think anybody really matters about uh, um, Anthony Davis, other than the fact that he's always hurt. But LeBron's getting older, and this is not a good roster. And the West keeps getting better and better. the The Pelicans are going to be better. Of course, everything contingent upon. Uh, upon health uh the otas for the saints uh going on and uh jarvis landry had an interesting story where um his daughter promised his daughter upon graduation from 
Now, she's five years old and graduating in school this year uh, from pre- preschool. She'll be going into uh, first grade. Uh, the Landry family made arrangements to celebrate with a trip to Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Now, there was one little problem with that. OTAs for his new team, the Saints, were set to begin at the same time. So Jarvis called the Saints. The Saints said, look, don't worry about coming to this. Go be with your family. So he did it with his family, but he came back. And he made the second week of OTAs. And uh, according to reports I've heard and read, he's getting it on. Um, he's doing his thing. So, um, George, Jarvis Landry, why, why do you think they went after him? Because he kind of plays the same way that Michael Thomas does, doesn't he? Well, I, I think there's a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't think anybody knows how healthy Mike Thomas is. So if you don't have a Mike Thomas, then Jarvis Landry would be the perfect replacement. And number two, if you look at what the Saints have done over the years, just, you know, with their short passing game, this type of offense is perfect for somebody like Juice Landry. So it makes total sense for him to be here. Now, granted, you know, with Jameis and the big arm, they're going to stretch the field every so often, just, you know, take the top off the defense. But the Saints are not going to be – the Buccaneers, no risk it, no biscuit. They're still going to run, you know, screen passes. They're still going to run slants. They're still going to run like five, ten-yard outs. And there's not many better receivers than Jarvis Landry in that type of passing game. So it well, makes he, sense for him to play here. James, he got hurt last year. He had an MCL sprain, uh, a partial quadriceps tear, a bone bruise, and suffered in week two. And he made matters worse when he tried to and, – and I love this about Jarvis – he, he tried to get back on the field before he was ready, before he was healthy. Uh, and plus, he had Baker Mayfield throwing the ball to him. Um, only had 52 catches, a career low, 12 games, 52 catches, 570 yards. 52 catches for him beats all the other backup receivers that the Saints have combined. <laughs> right, James? I mean, what an upgrade. Yeah, he, even if he's maybe not 100%, which I believe he is at this point, but getting him – Gave you another option and gave you another weapon. That way you didn't maybe have that excuse to be like, well, we didn't give Jameis everything. Well, now you have Jameis, all the weapons he needs. Not to mention, you're still trying to develop Trotman. He's not at that level where you would hope he was just yet with like how it was with Cook or whenever you would sign Kobe Fleener or when you had Jimmy Graham. He's not there yet So to have another weapon on the outside when Jameis has that arm strength. To give another one on the outside really helps. Yeah. Um, George, the SEC uh, meetings are basically done with. They made a vote on basketball, but no vote on football scheduling. Should the SEC, in your opinion, choose an eight or nine game scheduling format? By that, I mean play eight conference games or nine conference games. What would you like to see? Jordan, I'd like to see nine conference games. I'd like... You, you, you know, as a fan, you want to see an extra game. Now, as an LSU fan, you, you kind of rather than play more cupcakes and, and, and less SEC games, but for the betterment of the league, you want to see more games. It's better for the fans, you know, because nobody wants to see LSU beat up on, like, McNeese State and, and all these other small schools that they play in the beginning of the season. I would rather see an extra SEC game because that's just more entertaining. I'm with you. Last one, uh, James, eight or nine? I'd rather nine. You get more competition. I don't I don't want to see too many cupcakes. 
I want to see 10 conference games. The, the league is big enough. 10 conference games, one cupcake, and one power five school. The coaches are making so much darn money. They don't care if they win or lose anymore. If they lose, they're going to get a big buyout anyway. I'm for the fans. I want better games, and the players want better games. I promise. George, have a good weekend. Thank you, my friend. You too, my brother. Take care. All right, bud. Uh, we'll talk later, all right? Um, James, all right. thank you. Final time out of the day. You're listening to the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. All right, final score. It is Southern Miss with a two-zip win over Army and Texas A&M leads Oral Roberts six to one, top of the eighth. Today, June third is your birthday. Happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with a pair of thirty-six-year-olds: Al Horford, the Boston Celtics, and Rafa Nadal, um, who is now in the French Open finals again. Thanks to our guests: Bill Frankes, Kevin Foote. Uh, Glenn Gilbo, George Faust, George McNeil, James Mesh. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to our partners for making it happen each and every day. I hope all of you have a great Friday and even better weekend. Come on back Monday, same time, same station. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Be kind to one another, and let's all be happy. Have a great weekend. So long, everybody. 